0: Welcome to another inspirational message from London Live Church. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. Although some might argue that with my big loud voice, I don't necessarily need a mic, but we'll go with the mic um, for the sake of the people at home. Good evening for those of you that are watching at home, either live or later on. I pray that God blesses you as we go into our fourth study in our Genesis series. Now, I just want to just give a little plug to the small groups and to the Genesis series that we have been studying. So last year um, we started, no, yeah last year we started this series on prayer which ended in January of this year. And in February of this year, mid January or February of this year, we started a new study. And does anybody wanna say, what is our study called? New Beginnings, thank you so much. Yes, Genesis New Beginnings. So I just wanna give us a bit of a recap because we're going to study number four. And we don't wanna leave anybody behind, right? So I'm just gonna give you a little whistle-stop tour of the first three studies as we come together for the fourth study. And don't worry, if you've missed the first three, it's all good, you can still catch up, all right? Now I'm gonna call somebody out now. There's a gentleman in a blue hat. I always see you, you always come in and then you always leave before I get a chance to say hello to you. So good to see you and you always bring friends. So hopefully today you'll stay and I'll get to say hello, right? Okay, cool, cool. All right then. So, the first three studies. The first one, Mira took us through the creation story, right? Which is the first couple of chapters of Genesis. And because we're talking about new beginnings, the message there was God recreates our lives through Jesus Christ, right? That was our first study. And then Mira took us through a second study, which was on um, Cain and Abel, and the story of though that the um, the tumultuous story of those brothers. And in that second study, the message is that God gives us the power to do the right thing so that he can recreate our lives. All right. That was the second study that we went through the story of Cain and Abel. Jonathan took us through our third study. Does anybody remember? It's only two weeks ago. Does anybody remember what the third study was about? Who was the third study about? Abraham. Thank you. Come on now, Anipa. So the, the third study was about a guy called Abraham. And we were introduced to this character of Abraham. And so today, and, and it was about the call of Abraham and, and Jonathan's message. And I'm, I'm summarizing, by the way, these summaries are not from Miro and Jonathan. They're my own. And it's in that the summary of that one is that God, um, is that God calls us to trust him on our journey to the new beginning that he has for us. And, 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 and in that new beginning, he doesn't just want to bless us. He wants us to a, be a blessing to others and so today we're going to skip a few chapters of, of Abraham's life and we're going to come to chapters 20 and 21 now the study you can access the study by getting out your phone and scanning the barcode and then you can follow along um, with the study but we're going to I would like you to um, to be able to do that the small groups meet every two weeks so we met last Friday so no was it last Friday yes we'll be meeting not. This coming Friday, this week, yeah, this week, oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm being very um, selfish here. My group meets on a Friday. Some people meet on other days. So this week is study week. So if you'd like to know more about a small group, you can see me, you can see Miro. Who else are small group leaders here? You can, you can see Maria. You can see just, yeah, but he's not here. Oh, okay, okay, great, okay, great, great, great. so I thought, yeah, Caroline as well, so. And then there's, there are a few other people who you can see, just just wave your hands, guys, if you're small group leaders. Maria, raise your hand, raise your hand, two second leaders, so that they can see you, so that you can, you can see them if you wanna join a group, because it's never too late to join a group, and we'd love you to join a group or to start your own. And so, as we go into the study today, uh, we, can take, we can probably take the barcode down now, because I want you to see the title of the message that we have today. It's called The Real Story. All right. The, the story that today we're talking about, the real story, and the reason that this is important is because I'm preparing Genesis 20 and 21, and I think I know the story. And then as I'm doing the story, I'm thinking to myself, I'm really struggling with this. And I can tell you, Jessica, I studied, I struggled so hard that I read it for two weeks, and I was like, God, what are you trying to say? Like what are you trying to say what does this got to what does this have what are these two chapters of of abraham's life in Genesis twenty and twenty one what do they have to do with new new beginnings and the reason I say that is I want you just to pop with me a minute to another chapter which is Genesis chapter twi- Genesis chapter eighteen and I just want to read you two verses right so Genesis chapter eighteen verse eighteen and nineteen and Lydia if you could just pop those on the screen for us two verses that set the context of what the ideal was, that God had for Abraham in the, in the, in the study that, that Jonathan did for us a couple of weeks ago. And it says, for Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations, which nations? All the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out, verse 19, so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Isn't that an amazing promise? Isn't that an, wouldn't you love to hear that God has that promise for your own life? That he wants to do amazing things in your life. He wants to bless people through you and he wants to give you what he has promised. I think that's so beautiful. And so then, This is why when we get to so we can take those verses down now, because those verses are the ideal. And this is why I struggle with chapter 20 and 21, because in Genesis 20 and 21, as we will cover, Abraham is not a blessing in those two chapters. In fact, I would say that they're probably the lowest points of his life. And if Abraham was trying to become the president, of the United States or the Prime Minister of any country, like especially England with the way that we went on with our elections the last few times, he would never, ever, ever, well actually he might be elected because you never know, Trump got in. So let me not say never. I would be very surprised if people did not use chapter 20 and 21 against him because he completely, completely, completely does the opposite to what we just read. Let me elaborate, because I know that not everybody's been there. So I'm reading this, I'm reading this, and there are some characters in this stories. So I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of the stories in chapter 20 and chapter 21, okay? There are about six characters that I want you to pay attention to. So in chapter 20, the characters are called Abimelech, Sarah, and Abraham, okay? I want you to say the names. I need to make sure that you're awake this evening. They are Abimelech... Sarah and Abraham. Okay. So Abimelech is minding his own business. He's the king of a part of the land, king of of the Philistines, right? And that part of Canaan where Abraham has been told in the last study that he should go and God is going to give him that land. So he gets there and he's like, oh, these guys are terrible. These guys are so terrible that, and my wife is so beautiful that if they know that she's my wife, they're going to kill me. So this is what we're going to do, Sarah. And this is the second time he's doing it, by the way. He did this in an earlier chapter when he went to a country called Egypt. So he's got, he's got, he's got form here for being a little bit of a, a, a truth stretcher, right? So then he says, Sarah, tell them you're my sister. So he goes, Abimelech, as he expected, sees this chick, says, wow, takes her into his harem, because kings had harems in those days, and he's going to make her one of his... One of his um, wives or concubines, I don't know what, what, what status she was going to get. So that's what he planned to do. So Abimelech innocently took Abraham's sister thinking that she was available, okay? He won't be the first person to think that somebody's available because their partner doesn't love them enough to show them that they're not. Um, he I'm telling, speaking to somebody today who needs to straighten that story out. You, we know who we are. Uh, and so there's an opportunity for us to do better than Abraham in this moment. So he does that. And, 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 and the whole time, Abraham thinks he's all right. This is the scary thing. Abraham thinks he's living his best life and in his best blessing while he's basically pimping out his wife to some strange man. Thankfully, Abimelech did not do anything with his wife that a man cannot do with his sister. And so God appears to Abimelech in a dream and he says, Abimelech, you're gonna die. And he's like, why? And he says, because you've got somebody's wife. He goes, but he said she was his sister. And God says, I know. And Abimelech does something really beautiful. He says, but God, I'm innocent. And God says, I know you're innocent. That's why I have spoken to you directly. Give him back his wife. He's a prophet. He will pray for you. And I will, I've brought sickness in your house because of this thing. And if you, when he prays for you, the sickness will go. And I thought, wow, God, Abraham has messed up and you still want him to pray for somebody. Thank you for your grace and mercy. So there are the three characters in that first story, right? Uh, And and we're going to take some lessons from all six characters. I'm going to give you the next three characters. This time, well, this time, actually, it's four characters. Hmm, Is it four? My math is not good. It's five characters. Hager, Sarah, Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael, right? So remember I said to you that these two chapters are Abraham at his worst. So he's just lied about his wife in the previous chapter and, 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 and almost got another man killed. Thank God, you know, he, Abraham prays for Abimelech. Everything goes well. And, and Abimelech even gives Abraham gifts and gives something to show. He gives a gift to show that he didn't violate Abraham's wife and that she's innocent. So that when she gets home, the maids won't talk about her hello somebody, and God even covered that, he covered her potential shame, even though Abraham had messed up, and God covers our shame when people mess up or when we mess up for ourselves. But we're going to chapter 20 now, because those five characters come again. So we already know Abraham is Sarah's Mrs. Now, Abraham, about 14 years earlier, got himself into a little bit of a love triangle, okay? And he got himself into a love triangle because God had promised Abraham and Sarah that. And I'm just recapping because I'm assuming I'm not going to assume that everybody knows these stories. Right. Because I want us to get to the point where we all got the story and then we can get the lessons for today. So Abraham has been promised a child by God. But Abraham was already an old dude by then. Now, Abraham is um, he was about 80 something years old. And he just said, you know what, God? it's not happening, so Sarah actually said, his wife, it was her idea, and this is why chapter 21 is so important. Sarah came up with an idea about helping God to give them a baby. She says, Abe, you know my maid, right? Sleep with her, she's younger, her womb is probably more able to kind of carry a child to term, have a baby with her, and that way, you know, you have the line that God promised you, but that's not what God had told them to do. So basically, she did what I often do, which is helping God when he doesn't need my help. So anyway, God comes back and says, Sarah, you're going to have a baby from your own body. She thinks it's a bit of a joke. She laughs in a couple of chapters ago. And God says, no, you're going to have a baby from your own body. Now she's 90 years old. And in chapter 21, just as God said, the baby shows up. Now, it's a beautiful story. If we just read the bit about him being, um, you know, him, this little boy, and that's Isaac being born to Abraham and Sarah. Now, his older brother, who was born from the maid called Hagar is called Ishmael and by now Ishmael is he's a, he's a teenager, right? He's a, he's a teenage boy. And so um, Sarah, so, so many characters I'm so sorry and so much excitement, but Sarah um, has the baby, Abraham's hundred, she's 90. And she's like, look, God has given me laughter in my old age. Who would have thought that God would have given Abraham and Sarah a baby, uh, you know, in his old age. And if the chapter ended at verse seven, we could all go home and say, it's a beautiful story. Unfortunately, humans are involved in this story. So from verse eight onwards, Abraham completely messes up again. He has taken this innocent girl, right? taken her, had a baby with her because his wife said so, didn't ask God if that's what he should do. Sarah now has her own baby, Isaac. And so she decides that she doesn't need Hagar's baby anymore. The baby that, by the way, was her baby because she didn't have a baby of her own. Ishmael makes fun of his brother. My brother made fun of me for years. Hello. Nobody kind of did anything to him. And and, 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 and I, my kids tease each other all the time. And Sarah got herself so worked up. Abraham, you're allowing this. You get rid of that slave woman and her baby. Get them out of here. I don't want them in my house. Abraham is upset. You know, he loves his child. Ishmael, he's his baby boy. This is the chance for Abraham to man up. Because remember, he didn't man up in the previous chapter when he lied about his wife being his sister. He this is, we're thinking, Abraham, now we're going to see you say, no, Sarah, he's my son, but he doesn't. And then because God knows that Abraham is, and Sarah have messed up completely, he says, look, Abraham, let her go. Let them go. I will take care of them. I will take care of them. Let them go. Listen to Sarah, let them go. And that's the story in verse 21, in chapter 21. And then in the end, Hagar and, Hagar and um, Ishmael, they're on. The, I don't know if he gave them directions, if they missed the directions, They get lost, they're wandering around the desert, and Ishmael almost dies. An angel appears to Hagar, um, gives them water, saves their lives, they set up home, and Ishmael becomes a great hunter, and, and they live happily, he gets a wife from Egypt, they live happily ever after, he has his own nation, far away from his brother, Isaac. But the point is, Abraham is not a blessing to any of the characters in chapter 20 or chapter 21. I wonder who you might be in these two stories, right? So we've got Abimelech who is judged and basically there's an unconscious bias in, in, in Abraham's mind that because Abimelech doesn't look like him or sound like him or behave like him, that he must be a terrible person. And therefore he thinks it's okay for him to lie in such a way that Abimelech might end up in trouble. But guess what? God speaks directly to Abimelech. And I love the fact that when we have our biases, when we think we're better than people, when we think that people don't have our values and therefore we can treat them how we want, God will bypass us and speak to them directly. And if you're an Abimelech today who feels that um, people don't see you, people judge you, I just want you to know that God sees you today and he will be your God and he will speak directly to you if you will listen in spite of the prejudices, the selfishness and the, and, and, and the fear in Abraham that you meet. And that Abraham is the Christian in the story, if you, if you haven't logged, clocked on yet. The, set, the, 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 the other character, Hagar, a woman with somebody, somebody who's powerless and tossed about. I preached about her a few weeks ago. I don't want to go into that, but she's been tossed about. And how many of you feel powerless and tossed about and then turfed and dumped right god has got you too because god appeared directly to hagar as well and god will appear directly to you then there's sarah who who kind of has a man who loves her but kind of has a man who loves himself a little bit more and a, and also a woman who 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 has made decisions that that eventually weren't the decisions she was supposed to make and have brought harm to other people. But yet God still brings her a gift of a boy and gives her laughter in her old age. And are you somebody perhaps who life has gone on and you you thought you had to help God because he was taking too long and, and what you have done creates a mess, but yet God still loves you. You may be Ishmael, that rejected child. God still loves you and he'll make a nation out of you. You might be Isaac. You're just there minding your own business, um, yet there is um, stuff going on in your home, or maybe your inner child is an Isaac or an Ishmael, and that inner child, God wants to heal your inner child too and reach you and let you know that he wants to love and bless you. But this message is called the real story. Why is this message called the real story? I've, I, I've mentioned these different characters just to give you the context of, of the fact that I really struggled to find new beginnings in those two chapters. Because everywhere I turn, Abraham is just messing up. His fear, not trusting God to do what he's promised. His prejudice, judging um, Abimelech and others by his, by his own standards. And then we have his selfishness where he's willing to give up his wife to protect himself. Have you made decisions of hurt people this week? Maybe people have made decisions that have hurt you. All of this is not the real story. I just need you to know that all of this is not the real story. So this week, as I was struggling with this, um, I kept saying, God, what is it? And I was reading over and over again. And then the answer came to me on Friday. So yesterday afternoon, I was having lunch with my husband and he was scrolling through his phone and there was this post on, it was like a YouTube um, thing, and, it was, and, and, and the thing on there said, a world without Christianity. The video was a world without Christianity. David, and I'm thinking, a world without Christianity? That's interesting. Then we got into a debate. Babe, give me three things that, would, that, that, that the world would miss if there were no Christians. And Antonio tried for about half an hour to get three things, I tried for another half an hour. We could not find three things. Can you think of three things that the world would miss if there were no Christians? I'm going somewhere with this question. If anyone's got an answer, let me know. I came up, my best answer was Christmas and everybody loves Christmas, that's the best I could do. Because Antonio tried to say something about civil law and I said no, because that that was there in, in Judeo law already. So technically it wasn't Christian. So can anyone think of something that the world would miss if there were no Christians other than Christmas? Cause I already coined that one anymore. Yes. Yes, Dean. Huh? Baptism. The world would miss, but, but so the, so the guy on the street, so not us in the church, right? This is the thing, Dean. It's not about you and I comfortably in our church building. I'm talking about the guy on the street. Who's just grabbed a coffee has been at the market all day and he's going home to watch, I dunno, Netflix. What would he miss or, she, or what would she miss or what would they miss if there were no Christians on the, in, the, in the world? What would they miss? I said tolerance. David says tolerance, but does not Judaism preach tolerance and Islam preach tolerance? Mm? So just sit with, so you're saying tolerance. Okay, okay, okay. You had one. Gospel music, come on now. That is a good one, actually, because I think one of us—I think one of us might have said that. The, you're right, gospel music, because even I've got friends that say I don't believe in God or anything, but I do love gospel music. Have you got friends that say that? In fact, I had a colleague at work. I was so shocked. He's based in Germany, and he loves choir, like choir music from America, like from the South. That is his thing. So actually, that's quite a good one. Okay, so we've got two. We've got Christmas. Tolerance, gospel music, hope, but was hope Christian? Easter, okay, Easter, I'll give you that, but there was a festival, a pagan festival that also gave Easter eggs. Do you see where I'm going Lor? I'm making it difficult, aren't I know I'm a difficult person he says i I take that I wear that badge with pride, so here's the thing, as we were looking at the things that that were Christian like. We were talking about, I was saying, you know, but how about all the wars? So how about the things that have been done in the name of Christianity that have hurt other people? How do we reconcile that and say that people would miss that if there were no Christians? We went on and on and we really struggled. We struggled because Christianity is a beautiful thing that's sometimes carried by people like Abraham who are human and mess up. Abraham hurt people in chapter 20 and he hurt people in chapter 21. And I hurt people in chapter 20 with my fear and my judgment of others like Abraham did to Abimelech. And I hurt people like Abraham did in chapter 21 where I mess up, right? And then they have to pay for my mess up. And I'm like, God, this is hard. This Christian thing is hard. What's the point of this story? And that's when God said to me, that's the point. The story, you've been looking at the story all wrong. The story's not about Abraham. It's not about Abimelech. It's not about Hagar, Sarah, Isaac, or even um, Ishmael. The whole story that we call in in this book that we call the Bible is not about any of the people. It's about the God who is interacting with the people in a love story because he wants to save us. You said salvation, yes salvation you said tolerance yes tolerance and then we can sing and then we can enjoy Christmas so here's the thing God is the core character in chapter 20 because as I read earlier on in chapter 18 when God said, I wanna make you a blessing, Abraham, and then Abraham completely, 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 Karen, completely, without a doubt, messes it up when he meets Abimelech. God doesn't cast him aside, God still allows him. God, God's saying, Do you know what? Alicia, this week you messed up a little bit, but you're still gonna be a worship leader. Do you understand? Your mess up. I'm not gonna say you're not a worship leader anymore because you messed up this week, because I'm God. And that's what he does. That's a, in that moment when God speaks to Abimelech, God is doing two things. One, he's saying to Abimelech, Abraham doesn't see you, but I see you. And that's why I'm coming to speak to you directly. And then Abimelech is able to say, God, I'm innocent. And God says, I know you're innocent. That's why I stopped you from doing things. And, and we sometimes get on our high horse and think that we're greater than other people. Guess what? God doesn't need us to save people. Look, God spoke directly to people. When God invites us to be a part of the story, he's doing us a favor. He was doing Abraham a favor. He He wasn't doing himself a favor. And so when he reaches out to Bimelech, the first thing that he's doing is he's showing us that he can reach everybody by himself. And he doesn't actually need Abraham, but he's doing Abraham a favor by letting him be a part of the blessing. The second thing that he's doing, he's saying, Abraham, even when you mess up, I don't care what you did this morning, last night, and what you are do in the week to come. I have called you, I love you, and my love isn't going to change because of your mess up, because I'm God, and that's the real story. It's important because as I listen to the prayer cards, lots of us had a hard week. And lots of us are thinking about this story in terms of the characters in our lives, the Abrahams in our lives who have messed us around this week and have possibly hurt us. And it might not be this week. I know lots of people who are struggling in their relationship with God because of what happened with their parents or what happened with their church family or what happened with somebody at school or what happened with somebody who bore the name Christian and acted like Abraham. I don't take your pain lightly. I, I don't know if you're here or I'm just speaking to the camera in this moment because I believe that somebody is going to listen to this later, not by accident, but because God has ordained that he wants to heal you from the pain that Abraham caused. That's the real story. And the reason that I think this story is important in the, next chap- in the next chapter. The reason this story is about God and the real, real story is that Abraham and Sarah were never gonna get it right. Hagar was never gonna get it right. Isaac and Ishmael, even the, in their innocent, being innocence in this story are never gonna get it right. But in the real story, God comes and he steps back and allows us to make the mess because he's given us free will. And when we've made that mess, he comes in, and he picks up the pieces and he, and he treats us like, you know that Japanese art where you break the, where you break the bowl and then you, God uses the gold to make it something better? That's what God's doing in our lives every single day. So he picks up the pieces that we've messed up with, right? And he's like, okay, so Ishmael is not quite an ups baby because he was planned, but he's kind of an ups baby because he wasn't the baby that God had planned for them to have. But he says, do you know what? I'm going to take Ishmael and I'm going to make him a great nation even though he, wasn't, he didn't come in the way that I expected. There's some babies that have come. Some of us are babies that didn't come in the way that people that were expected. God still has a plan for us. He's gonna make a nation out of us if we will let him. He's gonna take Abraham's mess. He's gonna take Sarah's mess and all of the, the, the collateral damage around them. And I don't know if you're the person messing or you're the person with collateral damage. God is saying, I wanna give you a new beginning today. I want to give you a new experience, regardless of who you are in this story. And that's the real story. And the beautiful thing is at the end of chapter 21, after Abraham has finished messing everything up and he sits down and he recognizes that God is God. This is what he does at the end. And as the musicians come, I just want to just share this last verse with you from chapter 21. So God, so now he's, he's living in the land of the Philistines and God has said to Abraham, you know, he, he, you've messed up, but I've still got you, right? Because I'm the real story. And so Abraham recognizes this. He recognizes that the God of new beginnings can still be his God if he's willing to listen. And he plants a tree. It's called a, tam- a tamarisk tree, right? And he's in, he's in a place called Beersheba. And he plants that tree and and he, and he, and he, and he prays and he makes that tree a memorial he makes that tree a place that will remind him of what God has done for him in chapter 20 when he messed up and what God has done for him in chapter 21 when he messed up and he recognizes that God is the real story and he's there we're told that he prays to El Olam the eternal God right the God who has no beginning and no end the God who has no limits in his abilities, the God who is always and forever. that was That is what El Olam is. Abraham prays to that God and he recognizes, he doesn't just pray to him, he worships him. And I want to I encourage you this week that in the week to come, you may need a new beginning. In the week gone by, I don't know who you were in that story, but I know that there is not a character in that story that God cannot be everlasting, always and forever, without beginning or end no limits to. God can be a new beginning to all of us because God is the real story. And I'm asking that God will be your real story today. This is the end of this broadcast. We hope you have been encouraged and inspired. For more information, please visit LondonLiveChurch.com.